This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. All right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast. Yet another week, and yet another time to be disappointed in Wizards. Uh, 66 gig to Arena, another secret lair more production issues, etc., etc. But aside from all that, what we're going to be covering is how now some vendors have had to adapt to the market changes. Your big guys that used to be able to just survive on GPs and hoover stuff up mm-hmm. and sell at GPs are now having to adapt to other mediums. So we're going to cover alternative ways for people to sell. You know, Obviously, you've got Facebook, Amazon, eBay, not just TCG players, as well as whatever proprietary platforms they do. And we're going to get into like nitty-gritty on some of the... like fee structures yep. and stuff like that that you're looking at at all mm-hmm. of these so that's where we're headed all right uh so the first one that we both have familiarity with uh is actually ebay rather than facebook uh i've been more of a buyer on facebook i haven't done a whole lot of listing but ebay we've been on both sides of this yeah. and ebay is pretty straightforward you if you don't create a store the fee structure is very simple and it is on a per item sale basis and the fee structure for eBay is just the PayPal fee structure. Mm-hmm. And for the PayPal fee structure, it is a, a quick calculation. 2.9% plus 30 cents uh, per sale within the U.S. And there, it, it, it does note you know discount rate for eligible charities, et cetera, et cetera. And some of that actually applies for other things that aren't just chari- charities. It's behind the scenes. If you do a yeah. lot of transactions so companies like uh troll and toad uses paypal i think star city does now channel these guys are going to have a different fee structure than you would as an ebay seller yeah but ebay also offers a different set of fee structures where you can actually adorn your listing with premium marketing essentially or different types of uh auction structuring so if you yep. have a bunch of a card and you don't want to list, you know, all 40 of them, you can do what would be something like a Swiss style auction where people are allowed to buy a certain number up to a point. Instead of a buy it now, you could do a best offer and kind of navigate your way through there with limited fee structures. They allow you to list your auction in perpetuity until it sells and you don't have to pay anything on that unless you bump up any of the marketing. And personally, I found eBay one of the best options because it protects both the buyer and the seller, though the seller more so than the buyer. That's kind of a big problem. That's something that we'll call out as we move down the list. Yeah. We have people in both discords who have pro- who have had problems with eBay as a seller where the buyer will claim something that wasn't the case. And to protect yourself as the seller, you basically have to videotape the entirety of the transfer of the object into the box, the box to your vehicle, and then dropping it off at the post office. Now, personally, my only problems with eBay and selling have been with US through USPS, not actually through eBay, which you know, thankfully is a problem. I suffered in the past and not currently, which is one of the reasons why people are moving away from TG, TCG Player right now. Yeah. But it is something to keep in mind that as a seller, you are protected, but less protected than the buyer. Um, have you done a lot of work with eBay personally or just through 
Somebody so does. yeah, I've I've done a lot through eBay personally, and it's it's interesting how it's changed over the years because mm-hmm. it used to be so much more seller friendly than it is now, and it's great. You know, everyone has their opinions on Dan Bach. Honestly, his opinions on eBay are some of the best due to his experience on the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, has some good and some bad to say, which I think is just true of most things in life. Not all great, mm-hmm. but. It's worth noting that as things have shifted more and more to getting towards the buyer, uh, a lot of these places kind of have sort of petered off. You know, Troll and Toad used to have a lot of Magic listed yes. on eBay, and now most of their eBay stores, like occasional Pokemon, and I think last time I checked, they had like a $7,000 recliner listed or something Yeah, something like weird. That. <laughs> but that's, that's also Troll and Toad. Uh, but... You know, it's it's worth noting that as that has happened, and you've started to see that that that's where the other platforms have started to kind of elevate. Mm-hmm. And you've had some of those vendors move to Facebook and move to Amazon, where it's a little bit more transparent. Yes. And they just tell you straight up up front, you know, here's what your fee structure is looking like. Your terms of service aren't going to change constantly the way that eBay's oh, and yeah. PayPal's do. Um, and you eBay, know, everyone saw the collectibles update they had where yep. some stuff was protected, some, some stuff wasn't. wasn't. The quarterly and, updates where they just randomly shoot out coupons. So your yeah. uh, to track sales is not sawtooth, it's very cyclical. And you, generally speaking, have to reprice in accordance with a best guess at what that coupon is going to be. Yeah. It's another thing that's very interesting about eBay comparatively. And... You know, that that uncertainty is something that, especially as things stand now, where Mm -hmm. we've got a lot of uncertainty in general with what's going on with the magic market, uh, you have started to see those people kind of back up and say, you know, not not super into that right now. Sorry, this isn't for me. I'm going to try to go with something else. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Star City, I think, used to put a lot of their heavy play stuff on eBay when it wasn't moving on the website or maybe they listed in parallel because it's easier to move for them their HP stuff there when they weren't able to move it at shows. Not that they don't have shows, that might be the route they take, although I think we've seen them on TCG Player here and there. Yeah. So that's an avenue as well where it's harder to dispute an HP card when you have photos of it compared to a near mint card. Because there's a lot that goes into a near mint card. eBay is also not a centralized uh, selling platform like TCG Player Direct is and Fulfillment by Amazon is, which we'll talk about in a moment. Yeah. So that's the other thing you have to remember is that when you ship things out, you've got to pull it from your own inventory and send it out. So that there's an additional layer of ROI there, an additional layer of work compared to some of the other options. It does mean that you get to dual list it on multiple platforms because you can cancel most types of eBay auctions as long as there is no uh, bid on it or no action on it. So again, that at, at some points in time, that was a little more reliable. I think there was yeah. a Crystal Commerce hook into eBay, which meant a lot of those vendors were also selling on eBay, and that's why you would see that kind of flood and some pullback now, because the Crystal yep. Commerce co- hook, we know when it goes down on TCG Player, because all of a sudden, inventory dumps. And if you're trying to expose your inventory to as many feeds as possible, and your auctions just go up and down all the time on eBay, that just doesn't look great for the way the eBay algos work. It's Not just at all. safer to prune from your... Uh, overall marketing strategy, overall selling strategy. So, so, like I said, personally, I I like eBay a little bit better. People are already in the sales funnel. They're looking to buy. So for me, that's been a worthwhile out in comparison. Um, and I always feel safe as a, as a buyer or a seller. Uh, Facebook being 
basically the up and comer and i would actually kind of tie twitter in here as well because all you're doing yeah. in either in either place is really just throwing up your inventory and saying who wants to buy this pm me and then we'll take yep. the sale to paypal and we yeah. we already had the paypal fees brought up and that's basically the fee structure behind the back end the only difference between something like uh Facebook and everything else is there's no buyer or seller protection. You only have refs to go on. It's like we uh, every now and then we talk about modal magic online traders league, which is just a person to person thing. It was a message board essentially. Those were great. Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. And all you had to do was was uh, to go on was the the person's references. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. It's a self policing community. I've I've bought from there. Uh, I don't think I've actually committed any sales through there, but it's always been easy. And there are, there are a ton of different groups based on uh, your niche and your market one of the things that facebook does is it acts a little more like a gp floor where you can kind of haggle a price down if you know somebody's willing to you, you yeah. get that option uh, on ebay on tcg player on amazon you don't the prices are essentially fixed unless it's a make an offer on ebay what's interesting that we have access to is a group admin yeah uh, so I hi one of the admins on sick deals. Uh, one of the things I've noticed and I actually appreciate about Facebook, which is honestly where I do the majority of my sales, uh, is honestly it's direct interaction with your clientele and you can kind of cater to exactly who you're going to. The nice thing about all these groups existing is you have high end, you have the new high end, you have art communities, Japanese foil collectors, yep. foreign, Russian, whatever you Mispr have. Miss Prince? Misprints, yes. The place to go There's... if you have misprints. Any type of crimp, slightly off-center, that's your group. That's yeah. your people. And it's nice to have that exposure. And the thing is, you don't even have to know what you have or what it's worth. Because a lot of times, you can hive mind the information from mm -hmm. the group. Uh, and really... You know, similar to Twitter, it's the same thing. You have your references. And there's people I know that are like, oh, you know, I'm admin of a group. Why should I need references? Ever? Not everyone knows everyone, so references are good to have. Exactly. Now, the thing is, uh, and this is something that some groups have started cracking down on more and more, is the exposure to buyers. Because you can have people that are like, oh, I only accept friends and family. Well, that's a pretty big indicator that you may want to stay away from them because you're responsible for that. So let's so backtrack a moment real quick. Oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. So yeah. for PayPal, when you're uh, accepting or making payment, you have options. You have goods and services, and you have friends and family. And goods and, and services has a little bit more of a fee on it, but it protects the buyer because they can charge back if something's not correct. They can essentially dispute it through PayPal, right? Yeah. Uh, so you can dispute it through PayPal, so you're protected there. Yep. And that protection is important for a lot of people because they just get started, they may not know. And look, you're spending $400 to get a UC from someone on a group on Facebook that you don't know. Mm -hmm. You've never seen before. You don't know who they are, what they're you know about, anything like that. So you know what? Sometimes people are concerned. And that's something you have to be wary of on Facebook is mm -hmm. that you have to be more mindful and there is a little bit more exposure as a buyer than there is elsewhere. Yeah. That said, the liquidity compared to TCG that I've experienced has been absurd. Um, 
not just in sick deals, which is basically TCG without the work of listing mm -hmm. through TCG and all that, because it's you know ten percent, which is a little bit better than what you get after fees. Um, it's it's just being able to post to so many groups at one time with one click on that platform yeah. gets you an absurd amount of immediate views. Mm -hmm. So it's something that I definitely think is worth exploring, even if you've only got a couple cards to sell. Because you know what? Eh, I've got like 10 Shocklands to sell. I don't really want to go through the effort of setting up a TCG store and waiting for all that stuff. I'd rather just have my cards, mm -hmm. take a picture, and get money right away. Yep. And that's where that goes in. And I think that that adds a lot. And that's something that I think you've seen more and more people get involved in that are, you know, working with vendors to the point that you have people associated with like Star City uh, and Card Kingdom that are selling on like Twitter and Facebook that, you know, hey, here's some stuff that we can't really move on our website. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm selling as a representative. You know, Ben's sold a bunch of stuff on Twitter. And some of the vendors are right. taking their misprints to the misprints group. Hashtag get this off my desk. Yeah. The tinfoil hats and like all that other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's you know, in the age of social media and everything else, it's truly an incredibly good platform to have access to. It really is. Uh, the reach and ability that, you know, we, we talked about and before we, we step away from this, I want to bring up this is uh, it gives the small store the ability to buy something large and turn that around. There's a, a store I know called the Bearded, I believe it's called the Bearded Dragon. Bearded Dragon, and, yeah. Yep, they sponsor a handful of SCG players, but where they're located is it, it's fairly affluent, but I, I imagine it doesn't see a lot of churn in high-end stock. So when they picked yeah. up a bunch of high-end stuff, it immediately went to Facebook and just gone. And this is a store that at the time I don't think had an e-commerce website. So the only way they were doing business was physically at the store. So if people aren't going to walk in and spend grands on a card, well, where's the next best? What's the next best thing you can do? Well, as a reputable vendor, somebody who sponsors players, your name is out there. You have exposure like that. You can list those on Facebook. It makes it easy to churn things like that. It's a great, like, kind of feather in your, or not feather, an arrow in your quiver for ROI and churn. It is fantastic. It yeah, cannot recommend it enough. And the fact that most of these places use PayPal for payment, and for a while, when the Bitcoin boom happened, we're using Bitcoin is also a huge boom because it does. It's a platform everyone's familiar with. Yep. You know PayPal. You've used it. You've got it ready. Yep. So that's that also helps. Absolutely. And then the last platform we want to talk about because it's been up, up and coming for years doesn't make it doesn't really make it sound. As in magic, as it it's is. new. Yeah, but uh, is Amazon for for the singles market? Yeah. So Amazon has been an available platform for the TCG singles market for a number of years. Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic have been up there for years. Being able to find everything or what you're looking for in Amazon, however, is a completely different question. As far as non-singles related cards went, that's where a lot of your bulk lot your bulk lots went because you could do fulfillment by Amazon on those and just put them all together and get them the hell out of your warehouse. And then they just sit there and sell over time. So that's where you would see a lot of that stuff. And eventually it just kind of broke apart and, and moved into single sales and then Watsy put sealed on there. So now there's a sealed category that people can kind of quote unquote compete in. Um, 
the competition really, really just competing with Watsy, so good luck. I was gonna say it's difficult to try and get what's known as the button, which is the uh, the buy it now or the buy now option on Amazon. Same with TCG Player, the highest ranked listing basically is the uh, add to cart button. It's very difficult to compete in that. It was very difficult to compete against Star City when it came to Magic lots of years ago for the same reason. They they were priced so aggressively you could never win that spot from them. Yeah. Amazon in and of itself is kind of uh, a unique beer in this situation where there are two types of listings that you can do. You can either do an individual or you could do professional. And professional is essentially setting up a store. And if you do individual, it's a fee based on each item sold. But if it's a professional account, it's items per month and you can just sell whatever you want. Professional is what's known as FBA, Fulfillment by Amazon. So there are a number of apps you can download if, if you want to and just kind of make an Amazon store and do things that way. Or you could just give them magic cards or TCG cards, whatever, to list and sell or list yourself and sell out of their warehouses. I haven't done a whole lot of listing on Amazon. I've seen some of the back end screens, but it is essentially once you buy a professional, easy enough to load a spreadsheet of data to them and say, all right, here's this is it. Yeah, this is it. Here, here's my card. Here's the SKU for it or whatever Amazon has for it. You know, here's my price, here's my quantity, fill out the rest of the fields, and there you go. It's time-consuming. It's basically like setting up your collection to pull into TCG Player's Tracker or uh, Scryglass, whatever. But once you do that, you can just have a rolling inventory that just sells for you over time. You just have to worry about that $40 fee. And it's it's worth noting that one of the best parts about Amazon's backend is they tell you the fees up front. When you list an item, they will tell you your net Yeah. when you do FBA. So you'll say, all right, I'm going to sell it for this much on FBA. What is my net? So you can get the exact margin you're looking for. The mm -hmm. other thing worth noting is the differences in the market, uh, specifically when you're talking about singles. Mm -hmm. So take a card example like Nylia's Colossus. TCG low is 29 cents. Amazon is $1.10. And it actually moves. Yep. at the increased price. And that's really interesting because when you think about when Christmas comes around, right? Well, you want to get a gift card for someone, you can just get them an Amazon gift card and they can get literally anything. Doesn't matter, they can get it. When you look at a card like Fraying Sanity, uh, Hour of Devastation, right? 348 low on TCG. Amazon, $7.19. So if you understand the market and understand what some of the like differences are there, because that 719 is the buy it now button, mm -hmm. which interestingly enough, uh, this is great. Fulfilled by Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> Just gonna let that sink in. We're not in the singles market. Anyways. Or sorry, sold sold by Thoth cards, my apologies. Um, once you get that the prime button the buy it now button you're actually as a vendor able to pay significantly more for a card mm -hmm. because you can sell it for significantly more so you'll see sometimes when you go to vendors and they'll have a hot list number that's just stupid like four dollars on scavenging ooze when tcg low is two well, obviously, they're going to get everyone in the room, mm -hmm. and they're all going to go on Amazon because someone's going to get little Johnny a scavenger or a Amazon gift card for Christmas, so they can get whatever they want. And guess what they're going to get? Well, the scavenging news is suddenly free for me. Yep. Because I have this gift card, so I'll pay the four dollars, 
and now get it. Yeah. And that's one of the other things that's been really interesting about Amazon's emergence on the market is how specifically the casual market has been affected by these cards. Uh, the people that are, you know, new to the game, don't necessarily travel to GPs as much, don't know a whole lot about vendors besides their local vendor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, someone in their family hears, oh, they're into magic. They sell that stuff on Amazon. Here's a gift card. Yep. So I, I think that's been very interesting as a seller. It is much, much better on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting when you look at Amazon. I'm going to bring this up because this is a story from, uh, well, 15 years ago. Uh, I was working for a vendor that was buying Hornet's Nest well above bulk price. Well, why are you doing that? For exactly the same story that you just told. It was moving on Amazon. Hornet's Nest is not only a $3 card on Amazon if you use uh, the button. It's frequently bought with Hornet Queen and Ant Queen, which means people are actively shopping this card. And it's, Amaz it's an Amazon's choice, which means this card is quote-unquote priced well and is a mover. So in the category, it's most likely going to be... a uh, very close to a, a one. Yeah. The the further you get away from one, the smaller your decimal point, the harder it is to sell. The closer you get to the to one, the best in category it is. So in I think like all of gaming, for instance, Cards Against Humanity was a solid one forever. Yeah, and that's just kind of the way it moves through Amazon. So this is going this Hornet's Nest is a selling on Amazon. And this is one of those things that you can wield when you're out there, you know, buying. You can just jump on Amazon and see if something's moving there. If you don't, if you don't know locally, or maybe you just want to start becoming an Amazon seller. Well, once you actually buy into that professional account, you can start taking a look at the category and the performers behind the scenes and see what's moving up and down within the category itself and start to craft the strategy for buying and selling based on Amazon. It's a little more useful than eBay and TCG Player, where on eBay you only have sold listings to go off of. The TCG Player, you get the last sold price to match if you want. But this is kind of more... I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. It's much more nuanced, I think. Yeah, I was going to say it's more representative it on... of uh, a, an analytics-based platform. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's the type of thing that you know, when we hark on on Twitter all the time, you know, you can see the data, but you need to know how to properly read it. Yep. And that's that's one of the things that Amazon is really good about rewarding. Not, you know, obviously through any intention of their own, but just as a use platform, mm -hmm. it's much better at rewarding people that read data well. Yes. Uh, and not just the data that Amazon provides you, but the data of like EDH rec and stuff like that. Well, all of a sudden this card's spiking. Well, in like represented decks on EDH rec. Cool. Let's take a look real quick and see what we're dealing with price-wise on how quickly changing, how many listings are there, stuff mm -hmm. like that that makes a big difference compared to, you know, what you can see elsewhere. Yeah. No, absolutely. And this is it takes a little bit to get into because there is that hump, but I, I think it's also a rewarding platform as long as you take the time to to really work and you can kind of carve a niche for yourself there are a number of vendors that you'll notice are uh, here and on tcg player empty gym and card ccg Haas uh, is all over the place that's preston we've mentioned him a number of times yeah. um, and they just kind of cast the widest net they can as whatever e-commerce solutions they're using kind of track into these options yeah so and um, it's 
it's it's definitely good to see something like this that is as reputable in so many industries as it is mm -hmm. emerge into the magic sphere i think because i genuinely believe that stuff like this happening only adds legitimacy to the industry mm -hmm. which is obviously something we all want yeah you know i don't think there's any question about that everyone wants you know magic finance and magic in general to be legitimate because the more that happens the better it is for everyone correct so. amazon didn't build fulfillment by amazon to compete to compete with tcg player tcg player built the direct program to compete with amazon and that's what you're looking yeah. at is basically a number of people in the industry attempting to catch up and offer a solution like this there are some up-and-coming uh, competitors to tcg player that are trying to offer something like amazon does it's a lot of catch-up to a platform that is still in a nation state four five six years later because it's not yeah. really recognized in the industry yet, but it is available as a tool. So I think this is basically going to wind up this initial dive into you know, these platforms, or some of the largest platforms. We do have other ones out there that have been around for a while, like Card Shark, which I just believe uses PayPal behind the scenes. But yeah. it, it, they're not quite ready for an investigative light just yet. Yeah. So this is just something that, that popped up, especially with the USPS slowdown. There was a lot of question and introspection of like well if tcg player or ebay aren't keeping up with usps delays what happens and then ebay up uh, changed their terms of service cardsphere changed their terms based on shipping and yeah. there just became this frustration in the industry over the last couple of weeks of well where do we go and well here are some options yep and i i think it's really important that you know you you stay educated and try to stay on top of that because mm -hmm. yes things are slow right now but the faster you are at getting this information and digesting it the quicker you're able to move on it the more you can get ahead at a time where frankly i don't think being ahead of the market has ever been as important as it is now uh, it it's just you have to stay on top of things as it stands or you will get left behind far far quicker than you would have at any time before Agreed. So, uh, absolutely, uh, and the the more you pay attention, the more you'll start to see murmurs of where people are moving and where that crowd is going, and you can kind of pivot as necessary. Yeah. So, with that though, I think we're ready to move into picks for the week. You want to yep. go first? I will go first with All this right. one. So I went for foil unsanctioned lands. Uh -huh. Specifically, uh, I tracked swamps. Um, islands, yeah, they're worth a lot. So yeah. I was looking at swamps over the last couple of weeks, as well as to a lesser extent, forests, plains, mountains. And I noticed something really interesting with the foils. So the foil listing numbers have gone down from over 100 a couple of weeks ago to close to between 50 to 70 for each of those. And what we've seen at the same time has been interesting as far as the non-foils because you've seen buy list numbers on the non-foils kind of go up uh, right now card kingdom we're paying a dollar 80 for the non-foils and 248 for the foils well low on tcg with shipping is about three and a quarter so we've got a really narrow delta on the non-foils what you're not seeing yet is a narrowing of the foil delta and I think that's really interesting because this is a product that is gone. It's a known entity that, you know, unlands are popular. They're really hot. 
and these cards have been flat since they released when you look at the stocks graph obviously we had the seesaw when the set first released yeah, and everything whatever. but since actual physical release at the end of march beginning of april mm -hmm. if anything they've gone down just a little bit yeah and these are you know honestly probably the most unique looking full arts we've had besides theros but theros had a or return to theros sorry had a much higher print run and a much higher rate of opening. Mm -hmm. So those have had time to shine. There's a lot of them out there. I think that these are within the next probably six to eight months, easily going to hit the 15 to $20 range for the foils. They're gorgeous mm -hmm. because it's just the gold filigree that's foiled. And it's something that as you've seen this quantity dip pretty significantly over the last couple of weeks, the price hasn't moved with it. No. And while you've seen some of the buy list numbers trend upwards a little bit, you haven't seen anything happen with the foils. And to me, that means that no one's moved on the foils yet, or someone is slow rolling it for so long that when they make the pyramid post and they're like, look what I did, it's 10,000 foil of every unsanctioned land, uh, that will be when things pop. Yeah. And I think that it's just a really good opportunity for growth and it's something that is really affordable right now and you can get in on and be set for quite some time and i think that that's really worth keeping an eye on and trying to all right so if that's what we're doing that's where we're going what can i do to improve it and i think it'll pay very very big dividends in a very short amount of time now i, I agree and the more you look into the foils the more you realize that on TCG Player, there's, I think, two major vendors that have stock of swamps, and we're talking yeah. like more than 20, and it's 72 and 123 at one. Once those disappear, that short, that just brings the number of results down from 68 to 66, but that's almost the entire quantity. Yeah, because everyone else gone. is like six is the highest besides those two. Yeah, these and... are... Those look like players or people that were completing sets, maybe some small vendors, but these aren't like larger vendors that are selling out of product they popped. Yeah, and it's worth noting that, you know, it's it's the same story with the other plans. It's yeah. not necessarily the same vendors. Uh, you know, Super Games does have almost 200 planes for $4, but every quantity is like one or two. Mm -hmm. So once those leave and that barrier drops, that's when that's the floodgates it. are going to open. That's your choke point mm -hmm. for where this price can really explode. No, I, I agree, and it's just, a like you said, it's a waiting game. And it's not like there's a lot of people opening this product and reselling it. There, there were lands that hit a couple of weeks ago on Facebook, but it was not in quantity like we were just talking about. Not enough to move the market. Yeah. Unless until somebody comes out and says you know here's the rest of them in one go this is only a market that's going to shrink over time and if these are lands you've seen in person or are interested in or lands you just want to own a couple of anyway because you know you play older formats and you play like two basics total then this is definitely the way to go every unset foil lands have tracked that yeah you can see the pattern it's just like shock lands they all track over time and we're awkwardly at the ground floor right now i thought we would have been a lot higher i i 
I don't track so these I. personally. So it's, it's impressive to know that we're as low as we are, as far out from this set as we are. We're almost a full year removed. And, you know, the swamps were four and change a piece for the foil, which is like a dollar and some delta. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting because when we had unhinged, those shot mm -hmm. up right away. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we had unstable, those were 40, 50 bucks out of the gate for the islands. Mm -hmm. And we're just not seeing that reflect here with something that, in my opinion, looks better. You know, obviously the islands are like seven to eight, yep. but that's still not 40 yeah. compared to what they were with the last set. And I think what you're seeing is a little bit of depression because of how many full art lands we've had lately. Agreed. But I think of all of them, these are probably your best long-term gainer. Yeah, I'm going to throw out some food for thought on this one because it's not just these lands, it's all foil lands in general. And there is a suppression effect that uh, was caused by Arkham's Astral Lape effectively banning non-snow-covered basics in all formats it was legal. So yeah. when you look at that, and there's no, thus there's no driver because there's not a lot of... There were no decks really in, the for, in a lot of formats playing that many basics to warrant just kind of a surge of any particular one of these. Everybody was on snow then you didn't see a rush on them. Now that Astrolabe's starting to be removed from formats, you're going to see a rush back to regular basics and people moving to foils of what they didn't have previously, foils of the new hotness or foils of something they didn't realize looked as good as they did. And yeah. I don't know how big a contributor Arkham's Astrolabe was to that, but we do know there was just this suppression effect throughout modern legacy vintage for regular basics. Yeah. So, uh interesting point of order but uh this is where i expect things to kind of turn around on these lands and For it sure. would be surprising that arkham's astrolabe kept them as low as it did if that's really the, the cause yeah and i i fully expected you know when i started when i first looked at this i was like there's no way it's low but yeah. i'm gonna check it out and i was like wait what yep. and again i here we there's are just not that's where we are yeah uh i on the hand picked another edh card. Well, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be a card because it makes no sense to not be an EDH card. Uh, a white, mono-white, not mono-white, white aggressive all-star, put it that way. An unbreakable formation. So, this is a card I've been tracking for like two-ish months and you can see it just plateaued around Ikoria, which is basically where I started tracking it, and it's slowly gone uh, up and down ever since, but mainly tracking up. And the... The day one information that I have on this is that CK was buying fifty at a dollar five, and now they're buying a hundred and twenty-five at a dollar thirty-five. That's down from a hundred and fifty-six at the same price. So people are sending them in, but but CK is still churning them. The CK is not really buying a set foil, and this is the only time you're going to hear me probably this year advocate for a set foil because this card comes in set and pre-release only, and for as cheap as this card is in foil and not although it has spiked over the last few days if you can find them for what they close to what they used to be this is where i would move and i think the the foil multiplier that we're seeing is indicative of what this card is actually worth and what this card actually does so for aggressive decks and edh that include white this is basically heroic intervention number two or if you're yeah. mono white or a non-green base aggressive deck this is heroic intervention number one the first mode on it just gives your creatures indestructible. That's essentially what you want out of a mono or out of an, an aggressively slanted deck. The rest of it is just gravy, and this is one of the only effects that you get that's a permanent pump outside of an enchantment in white. Everything else is, generally speaking, that gets the entire team enchantment based and susceptible to you know its own form of removal. So 
that being said, it's also in standard. It shows up a little bit in the throwback to Mono White Heroic, which is still being played at the FNM level. So there is a little bit of a prop right now on that, but we're heading into rotation. So the spike that we saw in the foil, if it does carry through for the next couple of weeks, I would expect it to come back down. And because of the ability for this card to play so well in EDH for an aggressive color that just needs additional support to really get there, I expect this to be an awkward turnaround in three to nine months for the non-foil. The foil's a little different. When I picked this card, we hadn't seen that spike yet. So we might be that we might have already hit that inflection point. The growth is organic, which is why I think it definitely hits three to nine months. Probably closer to nine because we have rotation coming up in, you know, weeks. And at that point, yeah. that's where it'll just kind of fall out. The the precedent set for this card is basically Heroic Intervention, and that's where I think we're going to see this card track. It has a really awkward keyword, and Mark Rosewater actually admitted in their state of the game this year that Addendum, the keyword that I just had to look up, was largely forgotten by players when asked about keywords for sets. And Not surprised. It's If it was forgettable now, it will be forgettable in the future, which makes it a little more interesting to reprint because you either have to, you know, pepper up that keyword and make it more worthwhile, or you got to put it in a supplemental. And either way, I don't think we're going to see this card for years to come. No. So I would move in on the low-hanging fruit and foil. I would ha uh, pick up any non-foils that I could, and I think this is a card that I would just go really deep on, because it costs one more mana than Heroic Intervention, but you don't get this effect in this color all that often at instant speed. And it, it yeah. just fills this unique... Uh, point in, I don't want to call it the meta, but in the color pie for white, and the more aggressive decks you want to play that base themselves around or in white, the more you're going to want something like this to squat up. Yeah. So. And I, I think it's worth noting, you know, you mentioning, hey, I don't normally advocate set foils because I think it's a big indicator that Mero said people forgot about this keyword. Because when you look at his articles on, like, the storm scale and stuff like that, mm -hmm. it's something that he constantly harps on, is how much did players like this? How repeatable is this effect? Mm -hmm. Can we print it again? And it's the type of thing that, you know, when you look at something like that and players kind of forgot about it, they're not going to be in a particular rush to do that again. Mm -hmm because it's not something that's going to move packs because it's not popular. Correct. And that's very, very much worth noting to me because that means a set foil is great because you're at a low reprint risk. Because you're probably going to see it in an EDH product that's geared around aggro decks like this. Yep. And you know what you don't get in those? At least right now, foils of stuff that isn't your general. Yeah. So I think that's that is going to be very key in looking at your reprint risk on this stuff and keeping it low. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's good. Yeah. Like I said, it took a really long time to pop, and I'm, I'm glad it finally got some traction. I don't know why we were in that lull for so long. It could have been the fact it was just pushed out overall from standard because mono white was a thing. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, here we are. I'm glad it popped. I can take it off my list. There we go. So, <laughs> you know. Simple enough. Uh, I think that's going to be it for this week, guys. I'm sure we'll keep you up to date with as much information around the Secret Layer stuff as possible. Uh, Secret Layer Prime Slime 
That's yeah. the name of it. Drops. I was so hopeful when I saw the art that it was Pendleton Ward doing the art, and then I got really sad when it was not Pendleton yeah. Ward. Uh, it but drops. The drops. Twitter memes were fire. Yeah, they were. They were gas all day long. Uh, it drops on the nineteenth. I don't believe there are foils in the set, so we don't have to worry about curling, which means it might have a reduced price point. But yeah. we also got a notification last week about the shipping delays surrounding all the products they've released this summer. So if you do want to buy in for that secret layer, you know, just word to the wise, you might not see it in, until the winter for or later. While. Yeah. Um, other than that, I think they're just going to start throwing a bunch of stuff at us this week. Uh, hopefully we get the product slate for 2021 and we'll, you know, rapid fire those off as quickly as we can to get them out to uh, players and just spread the word. But you know, on behalf of MTG Cabalcast, I am Halt, I am Reptar. I am Ant Thirsty Sizzler. We'll see you next week. See you guys.